Welcome to episode 10 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined once again by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and producer back from his week of, uh, we won't say, well, his week of secretive vacationing, uh, Johnny Fam. Johnny, you happened to uh, to catch the pod last week, bud? I did not. I, I felt like there was going to be slander on some Lunchable stuff, so I just decided not to listen. That's really... I. I I put a treat for you at the beginning, and I also had two questions that I wanted you to answer in our group chat. So I knew you didn't listen already. Spoiler alert. Um, Uh, Damn. So disappointing. Disappointing that our producer listens to the podcast less often than some of our most loyal listeners. Thank you, Brian Clark from (laughs) Overland Park, Kansas. Well, okay. I love Brian. We want that info out there to tens of people, but here we are. (laughs) <laughs> if you are a loyal listener, uh, email us at halfpointperpod at gmail.com, and maybe you'll get a shout-out. I thought you were saying maybe we'll send you Brian's address. That's where I too. thought you were going with that. We could do that, too. <laughs> okay, before um, – as we jump into it here, I guess this this is probably, like, the most important show we've done. This, this is going to be, like – this is it. Like, this is where we're kind of planting our flag – we're buying stock in these guys. It's our My Guys episode. We couldn't think of what to call it. We're definitely 100% swiping it from the fantasy footballers. That's okay, but credit where credit is due to them. Our My Guys episode, these are the guys, the five guys that we're telling you that that we believe in, and especially at their price. In some cases, you know, their price is probably just fine, but we just believe in the players, and we're telling you to draft them this year. Dalton, anything to add on on that? No, really, these are just guys that we can't see ourselves not walking away from drafts with. They're guys that will probably shoot ahead of their ADP when we try to reach for them. Guys will take a round early if we have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Guys that if you're on a turn like I am, you're going to end up reaching for them probably if if you really want to make sure you get them. But before we get to that, like we've done the last couple of weeks, we've got some news items and then um, a little bit of something or nothing as well. Um, first, I, I think the injury that kind of froze uh, – the NFL, the fa- the fantasy football Twitter world there for a little while. David Montgomery injured his groin. Uh, the first reports that we saw of him going down no non-contact, being carted off the field, which I think ended up coming out as not actually accurate. Um, so it was looking like it was going to be a lot more serious than it is. Two to the four weeks is the timeline that we've seen. Dalton, let's just say it's closer to the four weeks, and maybe you get Tariq Cohen uh, for the first week or two as maybe not the only guy, because surely they'll bring in somebody else if Montgomery misses, but the number one guy. So does that change how you feel at all about Tariq Cohen, who you were not a fan of on my sleeper list last week? I'm still not a fan of Tariq Cohen. I'm not buying that stock. Uh, what I am going to do is I think David Montgomery is going to drop pretty precipitously in drafts because of the early injury scare. And I think it's a good time to get some value out of the pick. He was fourth last season and missed tackles behind qualifying backs, behind guys like Nick Chubb and your your boy Josh Jacobs. So he's on a good <laughs> list of uh, quality runners, and you could probably get him in the ninth or tenth round of some drafts. And if he's only out two to three weeks, you might not have him for one game. Well, uh, and technically, the, the timetable to the four weeks, I mean, you could still have him back for week one. Exactly. So I think if you're at a draft and, you know, he because he had a, about a fifth round ADP before this. I think if he's slipping now into those eight, nine rounds where you're reaching for handcuffs and uh, the Damian Harris of the world, he's a good pickup. <laughs> I I guess what I'd say about Montgomery is, yeah, if he's slipping like that, then then I agree. Um, it doesn't really change how I feel about him much because he's 
in that range where it's like he's one of the last starting running backs, like one of the last guys that you feel like you can start being drafted. So there's really not much, unless he's missing serious time, there's not much room for him to fall for me. So yeah, if he's slipping, I'd take advantage of it. Um, I think if the people you're drafting with are smart, he probably won't go much further than maybe around further than he was before. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair to say. I think overall, uh, if you see him slipping, take advantage of it, but we don't know how well that's going to go. And what I did want to say on Tariq Cohen is, again, I had him as a sleeper last week, so I already like him more than most. This doesn't really change how I feel about him. What I'm worried about is this changes how other people feel about him, and I'm no longer able to get him at the at the value, at the discount that I felt like I was before. Because I don't think Cohen, even with even without Montgomery, he's not going to be a guy that they just hand everything to and go, you know, here you go. I, I think you could probably count on something like 10-ish touches per week. And, you know, on average, that's probably more than what he's averaged throughout his whole career. But in his 20 games in his NFL career that he has 10 or more touches, he's averaged 13.4 fantasy points per game and half point PPR. So pretty good. A a nice guy to have at your RB2 spot um, if he is getting that volume. So I I guess I I say all that to say I hope this doesn't affect his draft stock too, too much because I I want him on my team. It could be a nice first couple of weeks. And then even after that, I think it could be pretty solid as well. One guy's name I do just want to give a quick shout out to is Ryan Nall. I thought you said Cordero Patterson. I was no, be like, no. Ryan Nall it was a preseason hero last year. He had two 68 and 70 yard runs. Uh, I went and watched the tape on it. He looked pretty athletic and he kind of profiles as the every down back for the first, uh, first at least first and second uh, downs. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're really concerned about David Montgomery and you're one of the people who are zigging and thinking he might be out more than four weeks, that could be another late pickup if you're just looking for value but like we've said in the past that bears line isn't really something you want a, a back running behind these days uh sony michelle is off the pup physically unable to perform list uh quote should be ready for week one is what i've seen thrown around uh dalton kind of throws a little bit of water on the damian harris hype train you've been on right I'm so done with the Patriots. This has been a roller coaster of emotions for me. You haven't even made it to the season yet, bud. Well, it starts off the season with me pounding the Sony Michelle train. Sony Michelle decides that he just wants to jump off and get injured. So I jump on the Damian Harris train, who has an r- amazing camp, and all of a sudden, Sony Michelle shows back up. I'm not sure what's going on at this point. Everyone of my Patriots takes has been wrong. So draft Rex Burkhead. That's my take. That's where we're, we're going to die on that one. My, my take is still the same as it's always been. James White is the only guy I really have any interest in in this backfield. Um, Daryl Henderson strained his hamstring. Sounds like he should be ready for week one. He's getting in some light work on the sidelines right now, but still pretty unclear um, at this moment. I don't know, Dalton, if this makes you feel any differently about Cam Akers. I don't think Henderson was a guy going in the top 40 of most trash, but I think Cam Akers is a guy that I think a lot of people got down. His stock started off pretty high, fell down a little ways as the Dale Henderson or just the the Sean McVay coach speak of, well, we've got four guys that, that we could use here. And then now seems like the Cam Akers hype train is, I don't want to say picking up speed, but maybe a hype train exists again. We'll put it that way. Well, I listened to the, the the fantasy pod father today, and he was saying take Cam Akers in the third round. So third the hype, round, third round. So the hype train is no, in no, full no, force. No. I'm not. I'm not advocating that. But what I will say is that if you want to back, it's probably Cam Akers in that backfield at Florida State. He did show three down ability. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. 
Uh, the only concern is this is his shot. If he comes out and he plays well week one, he might solidify himself as the 1A in that backfield, and he could be very exciting. We know the Rams throw the ball to their their running back, so it is an offense that's going to profile well for fantasy football. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is also a time where you could buy incredibly low on Daryl Henderson and maybe get into a 49ers-esque backfield situation where he's still getting quality 30 40% of the touches. Yeah, I think that's more where I would look at least. The thing about Cam Akers and the thing about the Rams specifically with, with their zone run scheme is that Akers has really never run that before. At least Henderson has a little bit of experience, not much on the field last year, but just a year in the system. So you like that. But again, this is another situation that is murky enough for me that I would agree with with your take um, of just take whoever the cheapest guy is. Yeah, and that's probably the best call here. I think Cam Akers at where he was prior to this injury concern around the f- fifth round is still good value, but I think that he he is sneaking up. Yeah, if I can get Cam Akers as a, as a bench guy, as like my first bench guy, I like that. But if you're asking him to be a starter, um, a week one starter for you, that's a pretty – you know, especially behind last we saw, obviously offensive line changes year to year so much, but last we saw that offensive line was the worst in the NFL. So that's also something to think about. Very much so. Uh, Mike Williams may miss week one uh, of the Chargers. He has a shoulder injury that he's dealing with. Um, he was kind of a guy that was interesting, maybe at least to some. Maybe I, I think me too, actually. I, I liked him in the late rounds as a guy, uh, kind of a post-hype sleeper a little bit. Now I'm I'm not sure if he's a guy you can draft because there's just so many receivers in that range. Why am I taking a guy who's already banged up? He's already going to miss at least um, week one. Yeah, well, and I've been pretty down and out on almost the entire Chargers team outside of maybe Austin Eckler and Tagod is kind of a outside shot to being a top 12 QB. But the the pace of the team's going to get lower. Uh, they're not going to throw as much. They're going to really rely on that defense. I have a lot of concerns about what it looks like. It's going to be a slow team that relies on their defense to make their plays. Mike Williams was looking at a quarterback who has a low A dot in his career, and he's kind of one of those contested deep ball guys. So overall, well, it doesn't really change my opinion on the situation. Well, let's be clear. There's no way Tyrod or Tarod, however the man prefers his name be pronounced, there's no way he's the quarterback all season. So it's going to depend on how the young guy looks, how, how Herbert looks uh, this season. But yeah, a guy that if you weren't avoiding him before, you probably are now. Uh, DeAndre Swift, Dalton, looks like you must have added this one in there because I'm just now noticing it, has missed four straight practices. I, I know there had been some health concerns there. Um, on Johnson is a guy that has been kind of undervalued. I, I feel like um, I know certainly our best ball team could benefit if that were the <laughs> case. Um, what, what, what's your kind of read on this backfield at this point? Because Swift is one of those guys that you have to have to take a plunge on as your starter in that kind of fourth or fifth round range right now. Um, at this point, I think if there's any rookie running back who's had a bad camp performance, uh, other than Keyshawn Vaughn, who <laughs> has absolutely plummeted to the depths of the depth chart in Tampa Bay, DeAndre Swift has not had a good camp. There was one report that he was catching balls well, but outside of that with the injury, uh, there's just been a lot of positive news for on Johnson. I'm not optimistic that DeAndre Swift is – worth where his ADP is at, which is right around J.K. Dobbins' range, who I think is at a way better value at this point. Uh, I'm making something of it. I'm not confident DeAndre Swift starts the season with a meaningful role for fantasy. Yeah, I, I I agree that I wouldn't be taking him in a spot where 
you have to have him play a meaningful role, and he's going to really hurt you if he doesn't play a meaningful role for half the season. He's a guy that's shaping up to be, at least in my opinion, he's going to be like when when we are talking in week six and we're talking about trade targets, like he's a guy I could see being on that list, but he's not a guy that I'm super interested in in taking at his price right now. Yeah, I'm pretty agreeable on that. I think he's a guy who you can let your league mates take the plunge and not get anything out of him and then get him at a discount later. Yeah, maybe somebody like Dalton will take him and he'll panic trade um, in your your league. You never know. I've been there. (laughs) All right, um, something or nothing. I I, I put this one in here just for you, bud. Um, Josh Allen says he wants to run less this season. Quote, I want to get the ball into our playmakers' hands. They're a lot faster than me. Uh, something or nothing, bud. If he's not running as much as as you hope, that could be a little bit concerning, right? This is nothing. It's very clear it's nothing. This is what any smart player would say, uh, which is, I am not as fast as John Brown or Stefan Diggs, which is a fact. <coughs> um, at the end of the day, this is just Josh Allen uh, saying he wants to run less, but the offense has been drawn up to run the ball since he's been there. It's part of their game, and it's very effective. Yeah, I, I would probably agree that it's nothing and that we've seen, you know, run first quarterbacks in the past kind of make this statement. And it's it's not really about the running. It's more of a like, I'm going to prove to you that I, I can pass the ball. I'm going to run the ball less. So I, I agree with you. That's probably nothing. I just ha- had to sneak that in there to see if I could get you the panic a little bit. Yeah, but if Josh wants to prove he can pass the ball and go for 4,000 pass yards and 1,000 rushing yards, that'll be great for... Uh, the hill I'm dying on this season. It might take Josh Allen 800 passing attempts to get the 4,000 yards. Love to see it. (laughs) Falcons offensive coordinator expects Todd Gurley to be between 15 and 25 weekly touches. And he made pretty clear that 15 was like the minimum he's seeing at this point. Dalton, is that something or nothing in your opinion? I think we talked about this already, that there's been a split with Dirk Cutter and the uh, Falcons offense in the past with Devontae Freeman uh, and Ito Smith and a bunch of their other backs where it's about a 60-40 split. I, I tend to side, um, at least when drafting on the side of that data. I will say, however, Todd Gurley's on a one-year prove-it deal, and it would make a lot of sense with a coach who's coaching for his <laughs> career uh, to run their weapon into the ground and just not care about what he looks like next season because they're not bringing him back. Uh, so I'm going to say it's something. It's not affecting how I draft. But uh, I would watch Todd Gurley in the early games, and if he's getting that touches, uh, he might be a guy you trade for early on before his value really hits hits peak. Uh, probably still not drafting him for me because his ADP is not where I like it, but it's definitely something to watch at this point. I agree that it's something, and I'm glad that you brought up uh, the idea of them running Gurley into the ground a little bit this year because it's on a one-year deal because that, that is something that when we talked about the Falcons about a month or so ago that that I did bring up that not saying that we know this, but just that possibility exists to me that the Rams had paid him so much money and were so focused in on making sure he lasts, making sure that contract doesn't look terrible, that they were maybe preserving him before he really needed to be. Um, we don't know that to be true, but I mean, it's at least possible. And I think it's something just in the fact that we spent all last season if you drafted Todd Gurley, you were really putting yourself in the flames because the Rams were couldn't talk enough about how they were going to try to limit his workload, limit his touches, 
manage the guy. So it's just, it's a little refreshing to hear that Todd Gurley might actually get 15 to 25 touches and, and not hear um, all of the load management talk around this guy like last year. Yeah. Might be a concern for you as an owner. Uh, that knee just feels like a time bomb overall. But <laughs> it, that's what we thought last year, and he actually never really had an issue. Yeah, it did take 14 touchdowns for him to really be a, a relevant fantasy. Well, I think I think that was more a product of the offensive line. I think Gurley actually looked pretty good last year. He didn't look like David Johnson, that's for sure. Well, no, he's not not trombone playing as he tries <laughs> to the outside. Um, that's that's for sure. Um, Joe Mixon has not practiced in recent days. Has been dealing with um, quote migraines. A source told um, Tom Pelissero of I believe that's NFL.com. He also just conveniently put in at the end of this tweet, contract talks ongoing. Dalton, is this something or nothing? It's something for me. I am having shades of 2018 Trent Williams <laughs> where I have an injury, and even if you don't believe I have an injury, I have it. I don't care what your medical staff says. Yeah, it's uh, like he may have migraines, but that's just like if you don't believe that, I can't blame you. <laughs> you know, like well, he's not even showing up to practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like, holding he's holding in. I mean, we've talked about that. He might be yeah. holding in right now. It's worrisome for me. I will say I do have Joe Mixon ranked pretty high in my rankings. Uh, so where you can get him in a draft, I still think is a value, which is t- towards the turn. Hopefully, there's more clarity by time we're closer to the season. Uh, tomorrow's another day. Hopefully, he shows up to practice, or at least there's some news. Um, Tomorrow Bengals, is another day. Good philosophy to live by, my friend. But the Bengals overall are being pretty secretive, and their camp, other than the the Auden Tate to Joe Burrow connection, has been a little <laughs> worrisome with A.J. Green on the practice field, Tyler Boyd taking veteran days off, and Joe Mixon not showing up. A lot of their weapons are just not there. So let, let me just ask the question then. Our draft for our league is in two days. Um, at the number seven overall pick, or maybe not even seven, but just – We'll say in that seven to like nine range, you're drafting around there. If Joe Mixon's there, like, do you feel comfortable taking him at that spot? No, there's a guy I'm taking. We all know who he is. I'll talk about him later. Well, right. Uh, Yes, I understand that. But like, okay, you've got your guy you want. But obviously, like, if you're not the number one overall pick, you've got like two or three guys probably you're thinking of like, okay, I'll take this guy if he's if he's there and you just go down order. If your first guy's off the board, is Mixon like in that group that you're willing to take, or is he a guy that you're kind of shying away from? I would say Mixon's probably the f- third or fourth guy I would take around that and area. And you're the seventh pick? Yes. Okay. Um, it depends how the draft falls. I could even see myself going with Michael Thomas, depending on a couple of things. Derek Henry is a name that is getting thrown around a little more in that area for me. <laughs> Miles Sanders is another guy. So those both, I know you're not a fan of either of them, but... I Sorry, think you just puked a little in your mouth. I just had the swallow of the puke in my mouth. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, I, I again, we've talked about these holdouts, it feels like, every other show. But I think it is something. Is it something you can really act on? I mean, I don't know. You just have to go with your gut. And it's all about um, risk management. And at the end of the day, if you take him in the first round, you've got to be you, – you basically have to look yourself in the mirror as a fantasy manager before the draft and be like can i take a guy in the first round that could legitimately hold out and not play this year or not play five or six games whatever the case may be like am i okay with that risk on my roster like am i okay with that headache just on a daily basis like you wake up in the morning you think oh gosh is joe mixon gonna is he gonna play is he gonna hold out like do you want that on your mind all the time and the the 
the bad thing about being at the back of the draft this year <laughs> is that almost all of those backs are getting question marks. Miles Sanders isn't going to practice till the season starts. Kenyon Drake is in a walking boot. I know there's been a lot said that that's nothing, but still you have some concern there. Mm-hmm. Austin Eckler's in a revamped offense. It's not looking as productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you go to Josh Jacobs, you're hoping he gets receptions. Uh, Nick Chubb is in a two-man backfield, and you're hoping that he really dominates that. At the back of the draft, there are some stud guys, but all of them have big question marks. And at this point, I'm saying Dalvin Cook's probably falling to you in that area too, mm-hmm. where you have to really look it in the eye and decide if you want to want to risk that top four upside for the the contract holdouts. Yes, it, it's definitely an advantage to have a top three or four pick in in the draft this year. I think I'm glad that you mentioned Kenyon Drake though, because I actually did. I thought we had an interesting conversation on him the other day. I did want to at least touch on that. So he is in a walking boot. Dalton, do you have any details on like the exact injury that he's dealing with? Is it just a, a foot or ankle injury? I, I honestly don't even remember. It's a foot injury. I will say he did this at the Dolphins camp last year. He was in a rocking boot. He started week one, was ready to play. Um, it's just concerning to hear that Chase Edmonds is the 1A. I really like this guy from Kingsbury. And then the next <laughs> practice the same guy who you want to keep his spot is all of a sudden in a walking boot and saying it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've talked about it with the shortened practices. You want those guys out there getting as many reps as they can. Mm-hmm. Drake still only has really eight weeks of familiarity with this Dolphins team. And Chase Edmonds does have a leg up. With there. the Cardinals. With the Cardinals. Cardinals. Yes. Um, not the Dolphins. There's a lot uh, of bad familiarity with the Dolphins and Kenny Drake. <laughs> There's a lot. Um, and you also have a guy who's never had a full season workload. And if he's starting off in a walking boot, there is some concern. I know that it, it could be precautionary and it could just be part of his rehab process, mm-hmm. uh, but it does just throw a little wrench in your, your drafting process. So I don't know if I would say, I don't know if precautionary is the term I would use. And again, we don't know. So I, what I would say about about this is there's a lot of cases that don't necessarily get made public. I can just tell you from my time covering KU football and KU basketball and just kind of being around those teams a little bit in college. Um, there are times when guys are in walking boots where it's not necessarily made public. And a lot of times that's just an, I would say an injury management thing. I don't know if I'd say precautionary, but it's just more an injury management thing sometimes. So you kind of hope that's what it is. And, it's just something that you know he's dealing with it, but it's not going to keep him out, like that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's really the hope. Uh, it's just the concern with the, he's a guy who's been in the NFL for so long and never seen a full load ma- mm-hmm. or a full you know running back touch season where he's getting twenty plus touches a game, and you're starting the preseason with him looking this way. Well, but not even the- not not even that. I mean, in college he wasn't the workhorse either, so it's like you know Kenyon Drake really until last year at the end of the year hadn't been a workhorse in, since high school. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's not like we had like a ton of uh, evidence that that guy was a workhorse by any means. So I definitely yeah. get the concern. No doubt. Those tires have tread on them and hopefully the, the, the Cardinals use it this year. <laughs> okay. Um, we are going to jump right into our, my guys again, we've got five each and I think we only know one of each person's my guys. So I'm interested to hear who Dalton has. And again, these are just guys that we're telling you, you know, we want to leave our drafts with. It might not be possible to leave with all of them because I don't know about you, but some of mine are in like the same range of like maybe five or 10 picks. So you may have to choose between them. But like if I have that guy on my team, I feel great about that spot. Dalton, I'm going to let you start. Um, who is your number five? 
My number five, and he just got in here pretty recently. He's pretty new to the the Dalton Love train. I'm curious if we have the same guy right here. Uh, but he is the notorious Ronald Jones yep. out of Tampa Bay. That's my number five, too. So you Ooh. go first. Well, first and foremost, Keyshawn who? <laughs> I don't know who Keyshawn Vaughn is. The Bucks sure don't care. Uh, Ronald Jones is the guy. And he is going in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round. And he's going to be on a productive offense with a good quarterback. Fun fact. His 170.3 points ranked 25th among running backs in 2019, but his points per snap was 0.41, which ranked 13th. That's great for a guy. That's because he played 36% of his team snaps last year. And that's going up. Next, we know Tampa Bay is going to want to slow the game down this year. Tom Brady's not a guy that throws picks and puts you in negative game script situations. They're a team that likes to play efficient. Ronald Jones is going to get the work. More importantly, with who they brought in and LaShawn McCoy, it looks like their concern is in their third down backs. So Daria Gumbale is not a guy I'm concerned about. You're getting closer and closer every week, man. <laughs> Daria Gumbale. Uh, <laughs> Keyshawn Vaughn, somebody I definitely don't worry about. I don't even know if he's off the COVID list yet. Evan, you might know better than I do. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. And the thing I would say about Keyshawn Vaughn is he is 100% getting the Bruce Arians rookie treatment. I mean, this is just kind of what Arians does. He is like... I'm pretty sure Arians pretty much had a quote the other day where it's like, oh, he'll play special teams. It's like, okay, great. So, okay, he'll play special teams. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that's not what you want to hear. Rest in peace to Miko Hardman and his fantasy value there too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Rojo's just a guy I'm excited to have on my team. Uh, he is a talented back and he's in a good offense. And you, those are two things that you want to kind of combine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, he's going as the RB29 and... At least that's fantasy pros. I think in like actual drafts, it seems like at least like mock drafts I've done, he's fallen further than that a lot of times. I have him as the RB24. So the opportunity cost is very good to me, in my opinion, um, where he's going. He's going to be the goal line back. I feel pretty comfortable in, in saying that. And I mean, just think about the goal line back and Tom Brady's offense, obviously. Um, Patriots, the Bucks, uh, apples to oranges a little bit, but the number one back in a Tom Brady offense pretty much always has double digit touchdown upside. And I don't think that's like a crazy um, thing to think that Ronald Jones could do this year. Um, and last he, year, Ronald mm-hmm. Jones only got 7% of the team's red zone carries. I am going to go ahead and draw that up to a lot of issues with that offense, but I, I really. Being one of them. Yes. I, I project him to have at least. 30 to 40% of those. And I think that's a big plus for him. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he's like some great player. I think he's pretty good, but he's a guy, especially like at my drafts at my draft position where I'm taking, you know, number one overall. And you might end up in a spot, two, three turn where it just doesn't make sense to go running back. You go receiver, receiver, you get to that four or five turn. And he's one of those guys that I feel pretty good about if I get him um, as opposed to some of those other guys in that, in that group as my as my rb2 or a flex in that position i just think the combination of uh of workload um good offense and pretty good nfl player i mean that that's a pretty good combination in my opinion yeah so well i don't know i didn't think we were going to agree that quick out of the gate <laughs> but i guess evan do you want the last agreement we have <laughs> yeah do you want to jump into your number four sure so my number four um and he could very easily be my number two we talked about before the pod and we put 
two through four in any particular order. My number four is Tyler Lockett. So he is going as the wide receiver 19. He's my wide receiver 14. Um, last year, the guy was injured in week 10 and not just injured, um, hospitalized. We talked about this on the Seahawks pod. Um, hospitalized, he didn't actually miss any games because they had a bye week the next week. But the next two weeks after that bye total, not not for one of those games, for two games total, he had one reception for 38 yards on three targets. So he was basically not playing. He was playing very hurt, probably shouldn't have even been out there, but was just gutting it out. Um, if he doesn't get hurt, he probably finishes as a top five receiver because weeks one through nine, he was the wide receiver four in half point scoring. So, I mean, the guy is just a, a star, quite frankly. He's a reception perception darling. You hear Matt Harmon glowing about him a lot. Obviously, the argument here is going to be, you know, number one, the Seahawks just don't throw enough. Sure, we, we want them to throw more, but I think we can agree, at least for receivers, that pretty much every NFL team throws enough. Um, we want them to throw more for Russ's sake because it's so close, like quarterbacks two, three, four, five. But for receivers, I mean, the Seahawks, or I guess Russ attempted 32 passes per game, which is 23rd in the league. But 32 per game, I mean, you think about that and you think about how many guys are really catching passes there. That's a but, lot of targets for those two main guys. But Evan. Don't do the voice of public opinion, please. <laughs> what about DK Metcalf? <laughs> so DK Metcalf. When Lockett was great in the beginning of the season, Metcalf was great too. Uh, Metcalf was like wide receiver 16 when he was wide receiver four. And though, I mean, those are really the two guys. I mean, we mentioned that on the Seahawks pod, like they could be this year's Evans and Goblin, in my opinion. Like those guys are both very, very talented. And it's funny, we've talked about this a little bit off pod, but just as far as volume is concerned, Russ had 516 pass attempts last year. 18 more than Deshaun Watson in one more game. So uh, as far as passes per game, he barely outpaced them. And we don't hear about volume at all with the Texans and with Deshaun Watson as a concern fantasy-wise, maybe a real-life fantasy concern because they're idiots and he should be throwing the ball more. <laughs> but as far as fantasy, you don't really hear that same argument. So I think it's just kind of turned into an easy narrative to talk about with the Seahawks a little bit. I agree. Uh, Tyler Lockett was an honorable mention to my guys. He didn't make it, uh, but him and DK are both just right in there for me. I love them both. Uh, one thing I will say, and this is different than previous years, one, Russ has been vocal about the let me cook debate, which is something that he doesn't normally do. He's not a vocal guy. And beat reporters in Seattle have been saying that it sounds like they're going to alter their game plan. Everybody knows what that team looked like last year, and it was three quarters of just – running the ball and not looking like a... Well, you've seen Russ's quotes are like, let's treat every quarter like the fourth quarter. And he's not meaning the sense of urgency. He's meaning, let me throw the GD ball, man. Come yep. on. And I mean, one thing about Tyler Lockett, he is the, I know he has the best uh, cross route uh, percentage in the NFL as far as catchable rate goes. Mm -hmm. I feel like the broken play where Russ breaks the pocket and Lockett darts downfield... It's something those two practice. It looks uh, so well, that, routine. That corner of the end zone catch was that this year. Yeah. You remember that play? That was one of the best plays in the NFL this year. And we, you talk about just their connection. His efficiency has just been insane. Over the last two seasons, he has 139 receptions and a 77% catch rate from Russell Wilson. Only Michael Thomas has a higher 
catch rate over that time span. He's also second um, anybody uh, out of anybody in the NFL with 18 touchdowns. And so I think you know you have that working. Even if DK Metcalf like emerges as the number one guy there, which I I'm not gonna say I think it's gonna happen, but it's not impossible. Even if that happens, I still feel great about Tyler Lockett. I honestly do. So do I. And I feel like there are people, fantasy analysts and drafters alike, who feel like they have to plant their flag on one of those two players. Mm -hmm. I'm okay getting either of them in a draft and walking away with them. They're both incredibly talented, in my opinion, and you're going to get a good value because both those guys are late fourth, early fifth guys, I feel mm -hmm. like. And that's they could easily be top 12 wide receivers together or one of them be 12 and one be in the top 16 without much problem. Yeah, well, and out of those two guys, it seems like, in my experience, the one who you're less likely to get at the 4-5 turn is Metcalf because it seems, you know, it, you get in some drafts where somebody really buys into the Metcalf hype and he go, Lockett pretty much seems like he is what he is, goes 4-5 every time I ever do a draft. And there's some cognitive bias there, I'm sure, where or recency <laughs> bias, where uh, well, DK uh, finished strong and Tyler finished weak, and so people just... And like mm -hmm. you said earlier, it was really the injury that hurt Tyler Lockett's season last year. Otherwise, he could have been top 12 without much problem. Mm -hmm. Well, he was. Um, God, I thought I wrote this down somewhere, but I didn't. I'm pretty sure he was like wide receiver 14 for the season last year. And that's where I have him going now. That's behind where he's going. And that's with, like I said, basically the two games that he didn't play and then just didn't finish strong outside of that. So if his second half of the season went as well as the first half of the season he's probably going like in the second round yep tyler lockett's a guy that uh he's it's just amazing he's fun to have every catch he gets is is so valuable in fantasy which makes mm -hmm. it better uh it's not one of those guys you have to w watch him get 10 targets to really make points out of it zach Ertz. uh yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, Dalton, who's your number four? Uh, my guy's actually going in the same area as Tyler Lockett, and it was really a toss-up between those two, so I'm glad I went uh, zigged a little bit there, but it's Adam Thielen. I absolutely love Adam Thielen. I think he has a good shot to lead the league in targets uh, because right now it looks like Bissy Johnson is the wide receiver two in Minnesota. If you don't know who that is and need to Google his name, I don't blame you. Uh, <laughs> Justin Jefferson's not having a great camp. The beat reporters and the coaching staff are saying he's going to be really good. It's going to take some time, though, uh, which is fair. And as we're aware, other than uh, the crazy 2019 season, rookie wide receivers take a little while to really get on with an offense. It's always been the case with that. Uh, and then it is concerning when you see things like their tight end, Irv Smith, might start playing outside. It shows you that their wide receiver core is pretty uh, uninspiring. So I think Adam Thielen has a good shot to lead the team and the league in targets. Like I've said before, 96 targets from Stefan Diggs are gone. I only think the reason Adam Thielen isn't going as a top 24 pick is because he got injured last season. But once he was back in the playoffs, over the two games he played, he had 16 targets, 12 catches for 179 yards and a touchdown. Those are great numbers. And those are playing right next to Stefan Diggs. So... Last season, I think, was an outlier to what he can be. We're forgetting, too, that this guy at the Combine ran a sub 4-4-40. He's athletic. We like to profile Adam Thielen as a grinder who came up through camp, but he's not. He's an athletic uh, player. He's a great wide receiver. And the stat I found while digging into this, Gary Kubiak, the new offensive coordinator after Kevin Stefanski had to get his name in there, <laughs> left, uh, has... His wide receiver ones have received an average of 159 targets per season. 
that's guys like Demarius Thomas and uh, Smith. So there's a good shot that we're seeing 160 targets for Adam Thielen this season. And I think that that offense is going to be good enough that they're productive targets. Mm -hmm. Well, what you like about Thielen is um, obviously touchdowns are always a little fluky and a little hard to predict, but he just is kind of a, a just a good touchdown guy. I mean, he always kind of has been since he burst onto the scene. He obviously set the NFL record um, for most consecutive touchdowns in, in a game to start the season uh, the year before last. So, yeah, I agree with you. Obviously, he he is on a very long list of wide receiver ones who disappointed last year uh, due to injury. Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, Odell Beckham, Juju Schuster, um, Adam Thielen, all those guys. And if you're lo- like if you're looking at that group, and I think all you know for me, all those guys, but Juju, but pretty much most of those guys <laughs> from that group, it's like you've you've pretty much you've got to forgive them. Like you've got to be willing to forgive them and draft them at a good value again this year because i don't think we agree i don't think that we would say with any of these guys that that they're done that their best days are behind them and again i I think Thielen's a very good player and you mentioned he's gonna have all the opportunity in the world totally agree with that and he's also a guy that it's like unless he gets hurt which is the case with everybody he's just so safe like you just feel so secure with him as your wide receiver one or two um on your team you feel like you can really maybe take some chances either early or a little bit later if that guy's a guy that you're planning on having on your team yeah and he's just entering his age 30 season which is a good breakout year overall there's good established rapport with him and Kirk cousins which is another thing i'm betting on this year just because of the shortened camp that you know they know each other they know the routes they're going to run they're going to look good and the last thing i just want to say is the vikings lost all their corners I don't know if their offense is going to be or their defense is going to be as prolific. You could see them getting into some games where they have to throw the ball, and that's just another plus for the Thielen two cousins connection. Well, and especially if Dalvin Cook isn't around, which is still murky at this point. So there's always that um, nugget to throw in there as well. So who do you have at three, Evan? Who's your third, my guy? So I've got a guy that I'm wondering if he's on your list. Um, I, I think you may have already talked about him on the pod, and I was mad that you stole stole my thunder. Uh, Terry McLaurin. Um, for me, he's my wide receiver 17. I think actually 16. I think I moved him up one spot when I updated my ranks earlier today. He's going more in like that wide receiver, like 22, 23, 24-ish range, depending on where you look. He's just quite frankly one of the most exciting young guys in the game. Great route runner, great speed, good ball skills, and he's not the biggest guy, but he he has the whole package. I mean, if you just look up Terry McLaurin on YouTube, the guy flat out made some highlight catches. Um, twenty three percent of his routes last year were out of the slot, so he can do that. Mate, and you like the slot guys that, like you talked about, the guys that don't have to have ten targets. You like the guys that can make the big plays out of the out of slot, and he is definitely one of those guys. And you, we mentioned DK Metcalf earlier. He played two fewer games than Metcalf last year and finished as the higher ranked guy, wide receiver twenty six, a couple spots ahead of DK. Um, he was the wide receiver eight through the first three weeks, just shot out of a can to start the season, burst on the scene. Really, the only reason why he's going where he is is because of the quarterback situation there, whether it's Haskins, whether Alex Smith makes an appearance at some point this year. All you need to know about this guy is that Odell Beckham Jr. asked him for tips on route running. I mean, 
this guy is just a stud. He has the third best score versus press coverage and reception perception per Matt Harmon ever. Um, the only two guys that have ever graded higher are Odell Beckham and Tyree Kill. This guy easily has wide receiver one potential in my mind. And if he was in a good offense, let's just say, well, okay, let's say that he and Tyler Lockett just traded teams. I think he's going at the two, three turn instead of the four, five turn. Unfortunately, I didn't include Terry McLaurin on my list uh, because I don't think there's a shot in HE double hockey stick that I get him in our draft. And I just didn't want to deal with the heartbreak because I love scary Terry this year. First, I just want to address the you're right. The main concern with him is quarterback play, even though he balled out with Case Keenum. Also, uh, to all of our listeners, I recommend you read. It's a pro football focus article written by Sam Monson back in March called The Case for Dwayne Haskins and Rebuilding Around Him. It is a deep dive, not only to the stats, but the tape of Dwayne Haskins and is a very positive come out. Uh, Dwayne Haskins has everything you want in a starting quarterback in the NFL. Next, just on the, the, the Terry McLaurin to Dwayne Haskins, that's an established connection going back a while. Like I said with Thielen this season, you want to bet on those established rapports. And these guys have one going back to Ohio State. So you, I, I have him up at my 17 spot, which I still feel might be a little low. Uh, mm-hmm. Terry McLaurin is going to be on a team that's defensively not the greatest. It's going to be playing in some bad situations. His target competition includes Dontrell Inman and Steven Sims and now Antonio Gibson. Uh, so the team is desperate for playmakers. He's a guy who can do a lot with very little, and his route running, like you said, Evan, is incredibly clean. Uh, some of the issues with him at the end of last season where his production dropped off a little bit uh, just came from overthrows and missed shots. But that offense was still learning its wheels and clicking, and Dwayne Haskins was still acclimating to the NFL. Uh, I'm very positive on him as well. The only reason he's not here is I just didn't want to deal with the heartbreak of not getting him in any drafts. <laughs> but Johnny, I think- Johnny, you're always excited every time Scary Terry gets brought up. If you had a my guys list, would he be like number one, number two on yours? I I probably say he's probably like definitely top three. Um, I I just love the guy. I feel like what Don brought up, he doesn't really have anyone else that he is competing for the receptions there. And I'm kind of shocked whenever we brought up uh, camp talk that Dalton just didn't drop down stats of how many balls Scary Terry caught or (laughs) how many he dropped. or He did have a pretty amazing diving catch recently. He He did. did. Uh, I I just watched it. I have been watching the camp talk and the stats. If any of our (laughs) listeners care, tweet me at dwilly21 and we can talk about those. The last thing I'll say about Scary Terry is I feel very similar about how I felt about him last season uh, about Chris Godwin that everybody knows he's going to break out and that it's a good value where you can get him as a breakout. I think it's an easy call for a lot of people. And if you are in the fifth round and Scary Terry is still there, you should be drafting him and hitting that button because he has real wide receiver one upside. Yeah, I'm glad you say that because he, you know, different guy for me, but this is how I felt about Kenny Galladay last year. And I took that shot in our league and it definitely worked out very well. So hopefully the same uh, for Terry McLaurin this year. Dalton, who is your number three? I just can't get away from this guy. Like Every time I research this offense and this player, I get more excited. Uh, It's Michael Gallup for the the Cowboys. (laughs) I am in absolute love with uh, the Cowboys offense this season. 
I think that it is very comparable to the Chiefs, but every single player in it is at a huge discount, uh, which is what I love about it. First and foremost, I just want to do a little voice of public opinion. What about <laughs> CeeDee Lamb? What about Connor Jarwin? All right, listen. Your voice has to get a lot more high-pitched if you're uh, going to call it voice of I public can't opinion. I that. But last season, 83 targets went to Jason Witten. 86 Cobb targets went to Randall Cobb. So just shut up. There's enough targets for this offense for everybody to eat. More importantly, Mike McCarthy is a 65% neutral pass attempt rate. This offense is going to be throwing the ball a lot. And a lot of the beat reporters in Dallas, and I don't know if I agree with this, but they're saying Michael Gallup looks like the real wide receiver one. We know that Amari Cooper has consistency issues. You know who didn't have consistency issues last season? Michael Gallup. He would have finished as a top 12 wide receiver if he didn't get injured. And he fought back from the injury in three uh, three games. More importantly, the offense was the sixth highest passing offense in the NFL. I'm going to go ahead and project that to go up as well. I think the only reason they weren't higher is because after the first four games, Jason Garrett reigned back Kellen Moore. Mike McCarthy retained Kellen Moore because of how talented of a play caller he is. And I think that that's a huge positive. That I don't see a lot of ways that Michael Gallup doesn't outperform his sixth round ADP. Uh, more importantly, I just want to be exposed to the Dallas offense. It's the most talented offense in the NFC. Sorry, New Orleans. Expose uh, yourselves to him, Dallas. Do it. <laughs> oh, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm really excited about Michael Gallup. I'm going to take him in every draft I get the shot to. Uh, he's a guy that I'm okay reaching for in the fifth round even to grab him because I think that he is wide receiver one upside. I get attached to a good quarterback. There's good rapport. It's his third year, and this is the breakout year for wide receivers i think it's going to be one we see mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just curious do okay you said that that he is consistent were you saying he's more consistent than amari cooper or just he's consistent i wasn't quite well, i mean that. last year if there was a guy to have consistency on the dallas team it's definitely michael gallup well cooper had eight um top 24 finishes and ppr and let me scroll for michael gallup I just had it. I think he was like at seven. Obviously, he played two less games. So those guys, as far as top 24, were pretty similar. I guess my other question with Gallup would be, um, any concern with the fact that three of his six touchdowns were in week 17 last year? I don't. I think the touchdowns are there to have. Uh, on the consistency thing, just so we're aware, I mean that he's not going to drop you a dud like Amari Cooper did against the Patriots and a few others. Uh, a few other games where Mark Cooper got, you know, two catches for 30 yards. Uh, Michael Gallup was a guy who just consistently caught the ball and was getting open. Uh, you know, my concern, if anything, would be injury. That's about the only thing I could see. You know, he had a top 12 PFF receiving grade at 74.4. He was incredibly <laughs> athletic. Uh, you know, he had 1,100 yards last season, and he, I think he was like, 13th in the NFL in yards even mm -hmm. it's just very productive guy and he didn't even play a full season mm -hmm. I do want so I'll, I'll say I like Michael Gallup I'm not in love I'm in like with him uh, unlike <laughs> Dalton um the one thing I do worry about with him you mentioned CeeDee Lamb obviously they have Cooper they just gave Cooper that monster contract they spent a first round pick on Lamb uh they've paid Zeke I'm assuming they're gonna pay Dak so it's like Gallup is probably the odd guy out, right? Like when, when they lose somebody on that offense, like they probably can't pay him when they have to pay him. I'm just curious if maybe he gets squeezed a little bit more than we'd like to believe. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to return good value, but I guess my, I would, 
I have a few more concerns with him. I'm not quite as gung ho as you. Again, I like him. I, I'm in like with him. I'm just not in love. I, I, yeah, I'm in love with him. But um, I like the fact that I, I don't know if Dalton mentioned this or not, but Mike McCarthy, I think a couple weeks ago, he basically said that Michael Gallup is the number one wide, wide receiver in my view. Just shooting a shot and basically saying that Michael Gallup's his guy, basically. You got to watch out for the coach speak, Johnny. Well, uh, what okay. I will say, it, it, can, it can come back to bite you. Is Dallas or has three off. wide receiver ones between Cooper, Gallup, and Lamb. Any of those guys could go to a different team and be the wide receiver one. I strongly believe that. Uh, the last thing I have on this, uh, from 20, 2008 to 2018, Mike McCarthy had his wide receivers, had two wide receivers finish in the top 24, seven of those 10 years. Um, now, obviously, there was Aaron Rodgers and it was Green Bay, uh, but I think the volume's there and I think the scheme fits well. I just am very bullish on Michael Gallup finishing as a top 16 wide receiver this season. I will be curious in general with the Cowboys if if McCarthy actually has more influence over the offense than maybe we've been led to believe so far. We've kind of been led to believe that it's Kellen Moore's offense to run a little bit because um, basically McCarthy got fired because his offense was from like the 1990s uh, from the Packers. So I'm just going to be curious to kind of see how all of that plays out and again along with those those three very talented guys and obviously Zeke catching passes and there are some Blake Jarwin believers out there in the world as well there's room for more than one mouth in this <laughs> offense Evan who do you have at number two so my number two this is probably gonna be a pretty controversial one for you I've got my guy Devin Singletary at number two I'm standing in the flames right here I know everyone Zach Moss Zach Moss Zach Moss is there ever a more beloved guy by fantasy football analysts, players, whatever, than the rookie running back who was drafted in the mid-rounds that nobody's actually ever really seen play a down of football yet? I don't think so. Have you ever seen Zach Moss play? Uh, I've watched some tape, yeah. In college. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I... Okay, I preface this by saying I completely acknowledge that he is probably going to be sharing some with Moss. And that's fine because outside, this is why it's such a big advantage to have a top three or four pick. Because outside of like the very elite guys, everybody kind of shares in the NFL. He's probably going to be sharing with Moss more than I would like. I think that's really baked into his price at um, that kind of the four or five, um, maybe even like early six in some cases. I've seen him go anywhere in that range. So I think that's really baked into it. I really like him at that price. I have him as my RB, I think, 17. So I am a big believer in Devin Singletary. I, we just didn't see him fully unleashed last year usage-wise, and a lot of that was due to injury. Obviously, Frank Gore was there at the beginning, kind of gumming up the works. Singletary gets hurt. He's out for like three, four, five weeks, however long it was, maybe even longer, maybe like five or six weeks. And then when they brought him back, they really kind of babied him for his for a while as far as his workload and his touches. But once he once he was uh, the guy, air quotes, down the stretch and, and getting that volume, he was the RB20 in half-point scoring in weeks 11 through 16 on the exact type of volume you'd want. He never had fewer than 14 carries and got up around 20 carries a couple times. He had a six-catch a six game, too, a couple games, a couple catches. And that's a top 20 guy with zero touchdowns in those games. Zero. I'm not predicting he's going to be a high touchdown guy. 
I think there is a little bit of concern with him being a between the twenties guy, and that's fine. But I don't think he has to be a high touchdown guy to be a a really nice pick at this spot. And he is a guy that, like we talked about a little bit with Montgomery, he's kind of going in the and and Ronald Jones, he's going in that range of guys where he's like one of the last guys that you feel comfortable with as your starting running back, as a starting running back. I don't know. Just to me, I like him as a player. The comparison that I've seen a lot for him is Kareem Hunt. I've also um, heard some people compare um, CEH to him as they're the same type of players, and which they are. I'm not talking about just purely, although I think he's about as good as Kareem Hunt. I think him and Kareem Hunt are about the same caliber. Caliber, We'll see on CEH, but he's a guy that he's just hard to tackle. If you go watch his highlights, I mean, he just doesn't go down. He's short. He's sturdy. He's very hard to tackle. And he had the 13th uh, PFF run grade last year. So he's a pretty good runner. I like the player. I like the price. And I think the Bills are going to run the ball. I like it all. So let me first by saying there is a guy in the fantasy community you love more than Zach Moss. And his name is Thomas Rawls, <laughs> <laughs> who I rostered and never touched a meaningful down in the NFL. Oh, about Christine Michael. Christine, the pristine Michael, is another guy who I've sat and watched. So first, and you're going to hear this from me probably the first four weeks of the season, as long as this NFL season stays on on, on par. Uh, Devin Singletary is probably going to be on my sell-high list the first four weeks because the Bills open up with the Jets, the Dolphins, the Rams, and the Raiders. Uh, He's probably going to get really good looks and really good work and is going to be somebody you're very happy with. Uh, The things... As a Zach Moss truther, I'm going to watch for our snap percentages. Who's but, playing but, where? But, but before you get um, too off topic, just with the schedule thing, you know how I feel about schedules. I'm just curious, going into last year, how did you feel about the 49ers and what type of team they'd be? Because it, I feel like I remember everybody saying, oh, start your bucks, start Jameis Winston, start your bucks against this team week one. Yeah, well... Uh, I will go ahead and be on record that I was one of the people saying they should be a Super Bowl ball contender. I had a bet with Brian and Ty because I was so surprised that a team that two years ago was considered a dark horse for the Super Bowl was suddenly getting that kind of treatment. Um, but so I will at least the say... point with that is that we just suck at knowing who's going to be good for the most... There's so much turnover every year in the NFL. Well, I'll profile the Jets or the Dolphins as a, a bottom 12 team, and I, I would put my entire bank account on that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's possible. I'm just saying it's it, it's just hard to know if he, if it really is like cup. Who are the other teams? Jets, Dolphins, who else? Rams, Raiders. I mean, Rams and Raiders could both be teams competing for playoff spots. I mean, maybe. But what I'm saying is that at least their first two games are beautiful for a running back. Uh, but back to Devin Singletary, uh, I, I agree with what you said, that he was an elusive back. Um, but, you know, his elusive rating is very close via PFF to a guy that we hate on a lot, Leonard Fournette. Devin Singletary's elusive rating is 69.6. Nice. Leonard Fournette, two spots down, is 64.7. Um, so there, there, is, it, it, there is some concern with me that they invested a highly uh, third-round pick in Zach Moss, and it just seems like they don't believe Devin Singletary can be the true workhorse. Uh, whether or not that's to be shown, we'll find out. But like like you said, it's baked in to his ADP. You're not taking him like he's an every-down guy. And I think that this is an offense, I talked about this last week, that can hold two running backs effectively. A 60-40 split between uh, Devin Singletary getting 60% of the carries and Zach Moss getting 40% is 
is something that's definitely viable. Um, I think that the Zach Moss draft pick was so he could be the receiving back. I think Zach, I think Devin Singletary gets the rushing behind a good offensive line and a quarterback who's a plus for rushers in everywhere but the red zone. Well, and let's be clear. It's not like Singletary is a great receiving back, but he can catch the ball. And where he's really good is if you get him out in space. Um, so it's not – I'm not saying he's going to be like the leading receiving back, but it's not like he's an absolute – zero as a receiver is what i mean i I, while you talk i'm gonna look up his playoff game last year because i remember he had a ton of catches in that game and that was the game for me where he really popped where it was like okay this guy is the bill's best player right now yeah well i mean i don't have much left to say about devin singletary that's been left unsaid um i really believe that he's a good pick i don't know if he's going to return you like a top 18 season without some zach moss injury or something happening to him well, the but other thing I, to keep in mind is Zach Moss is a rookie, and we don't know about any rookies <laughs> this year, quite frankly. Yeah, but the the camp news for Zach Moss has been pretty good, and the camp news for Devin Singletary and his fumbles has not been as good, uh, which it, it, that's all we have to go off of at this point. You, you just know that the organization went ahead and grabbed uh, running back in the third round. They spent capital on him. You know that they didn't trust him for a full role the majority of last season. And you know that his camp's not going well. And those are all negatives at the end of the day. Well, I think the not trusting with a full role last year can be pretty easily addressed in that number one, he's a rookie. So, you know, you expect a rookie that maybe start off unless he's just like a stud. You expect a rookie that to start off a little slow as far as like kind of gaining that backfield with, I mean, Frank Gore's Frank Gore at this point, but an established guy like Frank Gore. Frank Gore just gets carries everywhere he goes. Um, I mentioned the injury, and then when they brought him back, babying him a little bit. That playoff game, I mean, you mentioned not trusting him. They sure trust him in that playoff game to the tune of 19 touches for over 120 yards. I mean, I don't know. I just think the guy's a good player, and he is going in a spot where I'm not finding hardly any other running backs that I deem desirable. Well, and that's definitely... A uh, different argument to be made that he's in an area where there aren't disciple running backs to saying he's my guy. I would I would say that. Yeah, well, that's just one of the reasons he's my guy. I'll just put it that way. Okay, so we are to both of our number ones. These are the ones that I think we both know each other's number. Oh, no, never mind. No, I just gave my number two. Yeah, but we flipped because Rojo was both five. Okay, I was going to say I already gave my number two. So who's your number two? Well, just going in line with the Michael Gallup thing, this is a quarterback who I've fallen in love with, not named Josh Allen, and it is Dak Prescott. Uh, I actually think Dak Prescott has a clear path to wider or to quarterback one than Josh Allen at this point, which <laughs> is something I wanted to say. I don't um, think that that's too bold of a statement, um, and that's not even me saying I love Dak. But last season, uh, he had .55 points per dropback, which was sixth among quarterbacks. Uh, just to rehash what I said earlier, his cor- his coach likes to throw the ball. Mike McCarthy had the third highest passing rate the last three years when he was with the Green Bay Packers. They added a weapon in C.D. Lamb. Connor Jarwin is an upgrade from Jason Witten in catching the football. Uh, and there's rushing upside to be had for Dak Prescott, which is really what can separate a quarterback from being a top, you know, one or two guy to a, a, you know, top six guy, which he was ninth in rushing yards last season and eighth in touchdowns among quarterbacks. Uh, but the the fact and the reason he stands here as my number two, my guy, is he's going as the QB five when he finishes the QB three last season. 
I think he can finish as a QB one or two. I could see him outscoring Lamar Jackson. I can't really see him outscoring Patrick Mahomes, but this offense has everything clicking for it. And the most exciting part is they get to play the NFC East six times. And those teams look so bad on paper. Uh, every year we say that the Eagles are going to be a great passing defense. And every year they turn into a funnel defense. Uh, I'll stake that the Redskins might have a good defense. The Washington football team. Sorry, good, the Washington football team might have an all right defense, but they're not going to stay in any games. I think Dak Prescott just lines up as a guy who I want to own. If I'm drafting a quarterback early, he's probably the only guy I'm going to take early, unless Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson fall. But Dak Prescott's a guy you can get sometimes in the early seventh even, and I think that's an easy value. So, okay, Dak, it's kind of like Gallup. I, I like Dak. I don't love him. And I guess my thing is that when you're looking at the other quarterbacks in his range, Russell Wilson, um, Deshaun Watson, especially those two. It's like if I'm taking a quarterback early, I think I'm going to take one of those two guys over Dak pretty much 10 times out of 10 unless we're in a best ball and we're going Cowboy stack, which we did. I, I just look at it this way when kind of the tiebreaker between those guys. I think Russell Wilson's a much better player, and I think Deshaun Watson is a much better player. And as we talked about with Gallup, I'm a little weary of what could go wrong with Mike McCarthy there. We'll see. Hopefully it doesn't, but I think that's a factor. Um, I don't know. Dak just felt like, I mean, he was QB two last year, but God, I went back and looked. It's like, it didn't feel like he threw for almost 5,000 yards. It just, it felt, and I don't even know if it necessarily was just like fantasy points wise I mean, a little bit. It was, I'm sure, but it just felt so up and down last year. It's kind of like in, in line step with Cooper. It's like you'd have some huge games and then there'd be some meh. Game. I, I don't know. He's just not a guy I love. I'm not really taking quarterback early um, very much anyway, unless a guy I really like, whether it's Deshaun, Russ, or even Lamar or Mahomes, if they drop, he's probably fifth out of those five guys as far as who I want to take. And at that point, I think I'm just going to wait on quarterback, but I can see the argument for sure. If the volume is what it was last year, he's got the weapons at receiver. He's got the weapons at running back. So I could definitely see what can go right for him. Absolutely. Yeah, and really what this comes down to is uh, the more I read and look into it is I'm bullish on Mike McCarthy. I think that he's actually a good spot for them to land. I went back and did some uh, reading of the tea leaves of Dallas reporters, and it looks like Jason Garrett really just ripped away the play-calling duties from Kellen Moore as the season went on, which uh, a lot of the beat reporters said that after the Miami game, they were Jason Garrett was unhappy with the amount of pass attempts to rushing attempts. The next game after the Miami game was the New Orleans game, which was Dak's first bad game, uh, where he had a total of seven fantasy points. And mm-hmm. I think that in all actuality, uh, Jason Garrett was the bad part of that. Also, Dak's on a prove-it contract. He wants to be paid like a top-tier quarterback. Go out there and prove it. Uh, be my guy and get me a QB1 finish. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. No, a- absolutely. I Again, I, I'm just a little bit wary of taking a guy i mean he was qb2 last year but it was 6 11 10 before that so i'm a little wary of buying into him over just some of the guys that i feel like are a little safer maybe not higher ceiling but just a little safer to me i i can see i can see the downside with him more than any of those other guys in the top five i'll put it that way yeah 
Um, and the honorable mention when I was considering this spot was between him and Matt Stafford. And the rushing upside is really where Dak Prescott won out. Mm-hmm. And I think that, again, this is the, the best offense in the NFC, uh, which just you love that for a quarterback. And I think that that just gives his ceiling a monster output, a monster potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned your honorable mention. My honorable mention was Robert Woods. Um, talk about a guy that had a great season but didn't score a touchdown, at least receiving touchdown, until like week 15 last year. You'd assume that there's nothing keeping him going back to that like six touchdown a year type of guy that he had been before that. And he's just a guy that the, that the Rams just, even when things got weird at the end of the season and their offense was pretty much broken, he was the one constant as the guy who was involved. I think he's just pretty much going to be involved for them all the time. And I think he's just, he's a good player. He gets, he's another one of those guys just gets open, you know? Um, But as far as who my number one is, I don't think anybody is going to be surprised at this one. My man, my guy, Josh Jacobs, um, fantasy pros, ADP at running back 12. I have him at RB six. Yeah. I think I moved him up one spot. I'm a little, getting a little nauseous thinking about Joe Mixon. So I swapped the two of them. Um, at six and seven. If Mixon were a full go, I think that would be, I would have, I would swap them back and have him at seven. We've talked a lot about his rushing, so I won't belabor it too much, but second best rushing grade per PFF at basically 87, only behind Nick Chubb. He avoided 29% of his tackles, had three and a half yards after contact. Um, 6.6 of his runs went for over 15 yards. And I mean, he's just, he's just a stud, quite frankly. Um, he ran routes on, on, on 33% of cars dropbacks and targeted 5% of the time. So I know that's going to be the argument. That's going to be the make or break, um, for Josh Jacobs this year. But to me, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to really evaluate the whole season because really he was just gutting it out for like the last five weeks of the season. There's a, there's like an eight week stretch in the middle of the season where he's like, on pace for 400 touches and 1600 yards. Um, obviously he didn't get there. He was banged up. He missed games at the end of the year and the organization kind of babied him a little bit because they knew that they weren't making the playoffs. No point in getting our guy injured, um, trying to, to carry us. So I just hope the guy has a healthy season. I'm not saying he's all of a sudden going to be a 50 to 60 catch guy. If he is, that's probably a top four to five back. Um, but I'm not saying I think he can catch, you know, 40 to four, you know, between like 35 and 45 um, passes. I think he's just a special player. Jalen Richard is a nice complimentary back. Uh, Theo Riddick, I could give less of a crap about Theo Riddick being there at this point. If you get him in the second or mid second round, which is about where you're getting him if you're drafting him in a lot of leagues, um, that's a league winner if he lives up to what he could be. I mean, like, that's Todd Gurley in his first big monster season. Like, what he can do for you as far as where you're drafting him and what his upside is. Because I think he is a guy, like I mentioned before, who could easily lead the NFL in rushing this season. It wouldn't be out of his realm of possibility. And I do think you look back at talented rookie running backs who have had his season, um, who have run for over 1,100 yards and had his, we'll call it, the disparity in the targets, hardly any targets. Um, Cadillac Williams, Marshawn Lynch, Todd Gurley. Those are three guys. The fantasy footballers mentioned this a long time ago. Took notes immediately. Knew I was going to use this. Um, Todd Gurley, 26 targets his rookie year, 58 the next year. Marshawn Lynch goes from 26 to 67. 
Cadillac Williams, 25 to 44. Sometimes these great running backs just aren't utilized in the passing game their first year, whether that is just the coach being dumb, which nobody's going to put that past John Gruden, the coach <laughs> being dumb, or whether that's just these coaches don't want to burden um, these running backs with that just that that big of a role they want to try and ease them in you know okay let's get the running thing down first let's try and keep you healthy yada yada and we'll really do it in year two i told john be careful of the coach speak and i'm definitely approaching this one with caution too but the raiders have really talked about nothing but getting this guy involved in the passing game more um these last couple of weeks from greg olson their offensive coordinator um earlier this week he's saying about josh jacobs so that was his homework assignment in the offseason. That was the biggest area we were looking for improvement in. And he can always get better in protection, talking about his pass catching. So I think there's a clear focus, um, not just for us, but for the Raiders, that that's what they want him to improve on. If he does look out, even if he doesn't get that much better, I still love him at where he's going. Yeah, so let me just lead off with this, because I think everybody who listens thinks that I think Josh Jacobs is like a sub- 24 running back i have josh jacobs ranked 10th in my rankings all right i'm not <laughs> you're like ahead, you're still ahead of adp uh, exactly i've just been playing like the the spoil sport for nine podcasts i mean though the guys i have above them are derrick henry Kenyon drake ch alvin Kamara, joe mixon zeke barkley mccaffrey and i don't think that it's insane to have any of those guys above him um, uh okay i know the derrick henry thing is your issue yeah um, but but at the end of the day, and this is something that I recently, Evan Silva mentioned this on Establish the Run. Um, it's just really strange that every single running back that has been brought into that locker room does not profile as a one or two down back. They profile as a pass blocker. They profile as a pass catcher. Um, and part of the concern that he mentioned that is something I might uh, at least lean into and want a little more evidence on is that maybe the Raiders don't want to utilize Josh Jacobs in pass blocking because they don't know how healthy his shoulder still is. They don't know if, if it's going to be okay to start the season. And that Josh Jacobs could be a guy that once they're sure that his shoulder is going to hold up, uh, they put him in passing situations. I don't think that that's a crazy thought. Uh, um, just just to add on to that, he had a 73.6 um, pass blocking grade last year as a running back, which is pretty good. I mean, he's not a guy who can't pass block. Yeah, I'm not saying he can't. I'm no, saying no, he no, I, I, I'm just adding, like, it's encouraging that he showed that he could do that. And also, he came into the NFL as his receiving wasn't, like, his defining trait or anything. But, you know, he like, if you looked at a scouting report, his receiving was at least usually mentioned with the pros. I'll put it that way. And the other concern I have um, is the Raiders' offensive line. No matter how talented a back you are, uh, you, you need a good offensive line. Their offensive line has held strong last couple of seasons, but you you have Trent Brown who's getting old, and you have Donald Penn who is very old, and you just I just don't know how long they're going to hold up. Uh, and if he's running behind a more beleaguered offensive line, I'm not saying he's not going to break thousand yards because I think he's a lock for that this season. Uh, but you just get more negative situations where he has to break the tackle in the backfield and doesn't get into in between the linebackers. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't have a lot of negative things to say about him that I haven't already said. Like I've said on previous podcasts, my only concern really comes down to the passing game. And I think that Evan and I just have disagreements with whether or not he's going to be getting those touches. And mm -hmm. I think as a fantasy owner, if you think he's going to get passing down work, then he probably deserves to be considered in the top seven of fantasy backs. Um, mm -hmm. Well, and even if he doesn't like, you know, like you might not think he will, 
he's going as the 12th running back off the board, which you have him at 10. So even you agree that where he's going, where you could get him is still good value. Absolutely. Um, I, I think if you're at the turn, a Chubb Jacobs draft is, is Ooh, that, 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 that's just music to my ears right there. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So if you, you know, if you have the 11th, 12th or 10th pick and you can get those guys, I think you're walking out of that draft solid. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you have two RB ones on, on your team. I, I think if you, if you get that, no doubt. Um, Dalton, anything else to add on Josh Jacobs? on this podcast in general, um, on Johnny not listening to our pod. I'm very upset that you didn't hear what I put in the intro just for you, Johnny. And Whoa. I the these two questions that I asked you were very important. I just can't believe that you are, can't answer them for us. I'm a little upset that we're just rolling through my number one guy. We're just going to ignore <laughs> that. Oh, I keep forgetting that you actually went first. Uh, and that we switched because you went first and then I said Rojo and went. So I'm getting thrown off on where we actually are every time. Oh, uh, so that's number okay. one. Probably not that important anyway. Go ahead. Okay. Well, this is this is a name <laughs> that I don't want anybody here to forget about. That Evan said this player is not important. It is Clyde Edwards Hilaire <laughs> out of Kansas City. He is my number one, my guy. I traded up in our home draft in hopes of getting him at the seven spot. If any of my league mates drafting in front of me draft him, I will chug a bottle of Evan Williams. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me first say, the camp news today was that Daryl Williams is actually the RB2, uh, that he's going to be the guy getting that work. Uh, so everybody drafting DeAndre Washington in your draft, just stop. Because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to get 20-plus touches in this offense. He's going to obliterate the NFL. He is going to work with the best quarterback in the most explosive attack in the NFL. Uh, I've said it before, but he caught the most passes at SEC history of a running back. And we all know that the key to fantasy gold with any running back is if they catch passes. Well, we talked about that. He, that. Had, he had more receptions than McCaffrey or Saquon ever had in any year in college. Exactly. He's coming into a familiar scheme. The Chiefs run an inside zone run. LSU ran an inside zone run. They're going to do it well. Um, he is a guy who's not going to walk like wow you with athleticism. He wows you with his first step, which is something you want. And last but not least, forget last season. Andy Reid has had 12 top eight running back finishes. The only times he didn't were Brad Westbrook's rookie year, LaShawn McCoy's last season before he went to the Bills, and last season with Damian Williams, who couldn't stay healthy. Other than that, he's had a top 12 running back. He ran Kareem Hunt and let him have 1,700 all-purpose yards. It's going to be a print fest for fantasy football players. You're going to make so much money if you draft him in your leagues. Draft him over Saquon. Draft him over, draft him o- over Saquon. Well, one of them might hold out. So, yeah, I'm going to draft him over Saquon. Mahomes has the first. To be clear, Saquon talked about protesting a game, not holding out. Anyways, draft CEH. Uh, Mahomes has the highest quarterback rating when targeting running backs. There isn't a better offense this guy could have ended up in. There isn't a more exciting team to watch every Sunday than the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> so, my guy is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I love how this podcast has gone full circle. We started off with me being the Chiefs damper downer to me just pounding the horn. If I don't get Clyde Edwards Hilaire in my fantasy draft, I might quit the league. Yeah, and I, that's, thought, I thought you didn't think he was athletic. I said it, his athleticism is not going to blow you off the page. It's his first step. 
No, I li- I like Ceh. I hate that I'm gonna have to be the guy to throw just the tiniest bit of cold water um, on it. The only thing I would say about him is that we j- we just have never seen it in the NFL. Obviously, he's a rookie, and I don't think many people actually thought that he was going to be the first rookie back off the board in the NFL draft. I don't think um, from a pure talent perspective. I don't know about you. I guess I don't think I would say he's the best talent of any of the rookie backs coming into the nfl he's a very good talent but um i just worry about taking him over some of the guys that we've seen do it before uh i think he's i think he's gonna be a top 12 back i think he's gonna be very good i think i have him like five six something like that but i just think that maybe we're taking him very close i have him seven actually taking him very very close to his ceiling and there's just a little bit of me that would rather take a known commodity in the first round, but I love CEH. All the things you said about the Chiefs offense and just the Chiefs in general and it being the best situation for that he could have possibly landed in um, are all very, very, very true. And look, I, I, I hope you're right. I hope the guy is a top top six back because he definitely has that upside, no doubt about it. I'm not going to act like I'm going to be full full on uh, against it like you are of Josh Jacobs every time I bring him <laughs> oh up. Oh, my God. But I don't know. I, I, like the, I like the player. He was probably an honorary my guy because I knew that you were going to pick him. Um, shout out to The Athletic for giving Dalton a lot of data for this um, podcast on Seth CH. Seth Kaiser, I know I'm you're sure. listening. Thank you. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like CH. He – He's going to be a stud this year. My just incy incy concern is there are some more established guys who you might feel a little bit safer in this year, but otherwise, I love the guy. I love the pick. Throw safety out the window. Ride that horse. Take it all the way to the bank. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the guy you want on your roster. The only guy I would draft over him is CMC Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) So where do you have him ranked? I have him five. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not true at all. Then. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. If you if you had me anywhere but the one overall, if I was the two, three, four, five, or six, I would draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at this point. <laughs> uh, part of fantasy football is about fun, and I don't think it's unreasonable to expect him to perform equal or above Saquon, Zeke, or Kamara at this point. Uh, I think I'd be a little unreasonable, but... I'm just putting on record that you said he wasn't important. <laughs> I didn't say he wasn't important. I said your opinion of him wasn't important. There's a difference. When he finishes the RB1, we'll see who stands where. <laughs> well, I could just take him at the number one overall pick and just really ruin your day this weekend. You'll see me chug an entire handle of liquor if you do that. That might be worth the the selection in itself. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Half Point Per Podcast as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Half Point Per Pod. Like I mentioned earlier, we've talked about it off and on through the show. We do have our homely draft this Saturday. We'll post that draft board uh, on the Twitter so you guys can, can be the judge of who had the best and worst drafts. We might talk a little bit about best and worst picks next week in the draft. I know sometimes there are some head-scratching picks in our draft at times. Sorry, Noah, who took Antonio Brown really early last year and it didn't work out. Um, Our show is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, most notably Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes, and we will be back next week. 